Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. My name is Sarah Hanchar, and I am your host. Hello and welcome. I am particularly excited to share this episode with you because it's about my friend Bryce Florick, who made it to the top of Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier is a big, gorgeous, fabulous volcano here in the Pacific Northwest. It's the largest uh, mountain in the Cascade Mountain Range, and it and summiting it is no mean feat. So congratulations for Bryce for doing that. And he did it for charity. He he summited the mountain, raised some money for charity. So that makes this story extra super duper mega nice. Do you know what I think is super duper extra nice? Liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this podcast. Yes, go to the top of Mount Rainier yourself and holler it loud and clear. Hi, I think you're nice. It's this podcast. I hope you share it. I hope you love it. Goodness knows I love doing it and I love sharing it with you. Also, what is super duper wonderful nice is if you follow me on social media. I think you're nice on Facebook. I think you're nice on Instagram. I think you're nice on Twitter. And you can always email me at sarah at ithinkyournice.com. Here's the thing, everybody. I love my friends and they have some amazing stories and they've done some amazing things. And I want to know what you are doing, what you have done. What do you think is cool? Do you really like knitting? How about crochet? Tell me about it. I want to hear about about it. I want to interview more people than just my friends. I want to reach out to those folks out there in the world who are passionate about something that's fun, interesting, nice, kind, supportive, or just silly and weird and I'm into it, you know? Let me know. Reach out Sarah S A R A H at ithinkyournice.com. You can find me there. You can also just go to my site, ithinkyournice.com, and there's a contact section there, and you can reach out to me that way. I hope you do those things. I really want to hear from you, and I want to interview more people out there in the world than I love my friends, and I think they're amazing. And I want to meet more people and find out what's even more amazing. Oh, dogs have just entered the recording studio. Hi, Reginald. Hi. Is it time for the episode to begin? Yeah. Should I go ahead and start? You know what? Reg says it's time for us to go ahead and start the episode. So here we go. Enjoy Summiting Mount Rainier with Bryce. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat. So let's chat. So let's chat. I think you're nice, so let's chat. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. My name is Sarah Hanchar. I'm your host, and today I'm speaking with my friend Bryce Florick. Hi, Bryce. Hello. Hi. So, um, Bryce summited Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier's the big old mountain here in Washington. It's about 60 miles from Seattle. It is a huge, beautiful mountain. It's on our license plate. It's in every panoramic picture you can Google in the world of Seattle. And it's beautiful and it's tall. So you climbed it. Yeah. How'd uh, it go? Uh, it was, it was fun. It was the, probably the hardest thing I'd ever done, like physically up until that point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. When you said that you were going to be doing it, um, I was like, 
really impressed and also really scared because I was like, oh, that's so tall. That's so far away up in the sky. Um, it is 14,411 feet tall. That's um, at the at the at the summit yeah. at the tippy top. Yeah, yeah. The Columbia Columbia Crest. Yeah, yeah. the Columbia Crest. <laughs> it's a type of toothpaste, and uh, perfect. So, okay, have you ever climbed a mountain before? Uh, up until that point, uh, not. I mean, I don't know. I guess you could call them mountains, but um, like the mountains on the east coast, like the Appalachian Mountains. Sure, I've climbed. You know, so. Uh, Mount Washington in New Hampshire, I'd um, summited, I guess. Um, but if then, you get to the top of a mountain, that counts as summiting, right? You know, that's what you know, I always say that, yeah. Okay. Because I, the way that I think about it is like, you know, if you're just out in the mountains, you're a mountain climber at that point. So oh. like, you're just like, you know, walking around like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's how I would describe it. Like if you're okay. out in the mountains enjoying them and you're, you know, uh, doing a hike or something out there, then yeah. Then that counts. Exactly. You've summited mountains in Appalachia because you're from New yeah, Jersey. Exactly. Originally. So, yeah, I was living on the East Coast for 26 years before I moved out here for a job. So when I got here, one of my things that I wanted to do was actually make it to the summit because I thought that would be pretty cool, um, especially since it's like probably one of the most iconic peaks in the area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like uh, that was probably the first, I guess, real mountain that I would say I, I summited. Yeah. Cool. Were you outdoorsy? So it sounds like you were pretty outdoorsy when you were in your youth back on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, I um, grew up doing uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and stuff like that. So like going out and camping and hiking and stuff like that all the time. That's right. You were an Eagle Scout. Yeah. I remember you talking about that because we went camping once. You joined me and Patrick. Yeah. That was super fun. And I remember... And you can tell me to cut this if you want. You're like, I brought a pillow. Like, it's going to be super, like, luxurious. Patrick and I have, you know, pillows and blankets and sleeping bags and pads to sleep on and, like, all these things. And you have a very rustic setup. <laughs> but you had a pillow. Yeah. There was, there, was, there was a floor to my tent, too. So it wasn't like I was, you know, sleeping completely on the, the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still like just one thing <laughs> before yeah. the ground. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess I have you know a little bit of different standard than the normal person. <laughs> yeah, for comfort wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're hardcore, man. Because I need to pack up the car big time in order to feel comfortable in the outdoors. That's nah, all good. Mostly, it's anxiety based. If like, what if something goes wrong? I need to make sure I have X, Y, and Z. So, yeah. and plus what, pillows. Well, yeah. What if something goes wrong? You need four pillows. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you got me. That's it. <laughs> awesome. The reason I ask if you were outdoorsy before is because so many people move to Washington and suddenly, or move to the Pacific Northwest and suddenly become outdoorsy people, mm. such as myself mm -hmm. and Patrick. Um, we definitely were not outdoorsy before, but now with that beautiful mountain, it's like, how can you not want to go and be a part of it and talk to it and climb on it? And I've climbed around her. I've never climbed her, obviously, because yeah. for the reasons I'm sure we're about to find out. So you decided that you wanted to do this. Um, was that something you had in mind from like day one of seeing her? So it's actually funny because um, <clears throat> I had first gotten the idea when I was still living on the East Coast. Uh, I worked at a... Um, an outdoor retail store, I guess you would call it, 
kind of okay. like um kind of like an REI but like not as like commercial it was just like a small like chain of like three local stores oh okay and so like some of the guys that I worked with were like climbers and a couple of them had done stuff like Rainier before and so um just in chatting with them they were like oh yeah like you could do Rainier it's super easy like you know it's like you pay couple like a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks or whatever to a guide and like they'll get you to the point where you can get up there uh that was when i was like 18 or 19 or something i was thinking about it and then i just never pursued it until i moved here and i was like well actually sorry that's not true the how year, dare you the year before i moved here <laughs> uh my brother and i attempted it um oh really but it got turned back due to weather so we got like halfway up and then there was a thunderstorm so we had to turn around because you're carrying a bunch of metal shit on your back, so you don't want to get struck yeah, by lightning. You don't. So, yeah. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that. I just figured, like, rain, snow, avalanche, glacier crap that could also stir up with, yeah. with rain. So right? There's, Maybe? there's definitely all those risks, too. Um, but, like, think about that, but also you're outside, so you're anything that could happen outside could happen on, on the mountain. Yeah. So. It's pretty crazy. One of the reasons I wanted to hire, so I hired a guide when I went. Um, one of the reasons why is because of like all those variables that I didn't really know, like how to, you know, ante anticipate and stuff like that before going up. So like I wanted someone who like could actually think about like, oh, like here's a you know weather window that we have to aim for, or, mm -hmm. like all this other stuff. So like all those like little things that could like turn into a huge risk, like things I didn't even think about, you know. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that there was like someone that was more responsible than myself out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have somebody who's done it before and, you know, knows the way and knows like the pitfalls, you want to have the OCD person who's like, I got to make sure like I'm safe. My people are safe. And they ideally, right. Know what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Right. You knew you wanted to do it. Oh yeah. So, so uh, how did you train exactly? Yeah, so uh, they actually, like, when I uh, went to the guiding service, they gave us, like, a packet that had a bunch of, like, you know, do's and don'ts kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. the, the 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 guiding service that I, like, went to, they, like, uh, cater to a lot of people who are new into the sport of, like, climbing and, okay. like, mountaineering and stuff. And so they don't really expect you to know what you're really getting into. So they, after you put down your, your deposit, they give you a, a packet that has, like, all of the info, like you know, food that you need to bring, stuff like that, mm -hmm. like all the gear, but then also they have a training list. And so they tell you like, you should be doing cardio. And like, this is like a sample of like what you should be doing. So like, I kind of took, took that and then like did my own modification, like, you know, added some weight training or, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't specifically like doing the Stairmaster all the time. So I went out for a run instead. Okay. You know? So like, you know, I just tried to get out as much as possible and, you know, really prepare myself physically for this because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel up there, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is a huge undertaking and it's, I mean, it could be pretty scary, like, because you're not near a, anyone who can help you out if you like, well, I changed my mind. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> would that be possible? Is that something that you could do? Be like, you know what? I'm going back. Can you, could you turn around and leave if you wanted to? Yeah. Or are you okay? So, uh, especially with like a guiding service, like they're, um, they're not going to force you to get to the top, but yeah. they're also not going to just like leave you there and like continue on to the summit. So like, you know, there was a couple people that were in our party that, um, decided that 
they needed to turn around before the, they got to the summit. Okay. And so they just uh, kind of went down um, separately with like some of the assistant guides that were up there. Okay. Because we had um, probably for our party, we had three guides total, like a lead and then like two assistants. Mm-hmm. So like two groups of people ended up like turning around before we got to the top. And so they were taken down, like, you know, led down by a, a professional as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I, I totally get wanting to be overly prepared and going outside and preparing more so than stair mastering. Not that there's anything wrong with stair mastering, but did you climb actual mountains and go on hikes and stuff to prepare as well? Did, uh, did a lot of hikes. Um, so that I kind of like threw in like as part of like my cardio, I would try to get out like, I think probably like once a weekend or so, like do a hike. And, um, I, forced myself to like put extra stuff into my backpack just to get used to carrying like extra weight on my on my oh. back and stuff. And then, um, so I, that was, that was basically it. Like I did stuff like Mount Sai, like over here, like just local hikes and stuff. So, okay. um, that definitely added, um, uh, I guess some good, uh, training to my regimen. What did you put in your bag to make it heavier? Was it like just more useful things just in case or like rocks and twigs and things? Not like rocks, but, uh, definitely stuff that was heavy. So like, um, you know, if, if I was going on something that was like a local hike where I would normally carry only like, you know, two liters or like two water bottles, like mm-hmm. Nalgene water bottles, I would put in like five or six or something. Oh, okay. Just add like an extra, you know, couple pounds of weight and yeah stuff like that so oh god that sounds like hell i mean it sounds really great (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like uh i don't know it's it seems like it's a crazy undertaking for like something that could potentially like you get you hurt or like killed or whatever but um you know it, it I feel like it kind of just like, it's like any other preparation for any other sport like you know you Mm. have people that go out and they just train like their heart out for like, you know, five or six days a week. I see it as a very similar, you know, I guess comparison. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an intense sport. I've for heard sure. people call it a sport. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you're doing any kind of activity, it could be a sport. Right. I mean, like they have, they have poker on ESPN. So <laughs> 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 come on. <laughs> Probably not a lot of physical danger there. Um, yeah. Maybe emotional, mental, financial. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you're probably going to make it uh, through the day. So, okay. So you're scampering around the woods. How long? How long did you train? So I think we put in like a reservation for like the guiding service, like maybe eight months out. And so I started training probably around then. Like it, I didn't really ramp up until maybe like five or four months before Mm. the actual summit. And like when I started realizing that like I wasn't doing enough and I was like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> time to, time to tighten up and yeah. do more. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd say I started pretty early and I don't, I don't think there's a way to overtrain for something like this. Cause like, I mean, like if you're s- just doing cardio, like you're just going to get, you know, um, more and more uh, efficient at breathing and like, you know, just have a little bit more energy. Like when you're, when you're up there, if you, if you just train longer. So Oh, I didn't think about, I guess I'm, when I think of cardio, I think of, you know, cardiovascular health and it, uh, being better for like stamina and stuff like that. But you're right. It would improve your breathing. Right. right? So like you think about like people who are like athletes, they have a very low, like, um, heartbeat, heartbeat. Yeah. 
So it's like, you know, whatever like the normal person's is, it's usually like a significant, mm. significantly lower. And it's just because it's like they uh, train at like these they, or they train their bodies so much that like their heart has just become so efficient at pump, pumping blood that they can get, you know, enough from like just the, the pump that it's doing. That's crazy. Yeah. And you're very fit anyway. Like you're a you're a gym workout kind of guy. So you're not coming from couch potato to mountain climber. You are already an active person. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, there was like some advantage to that. Like it maybe gave me a little bit of heads up or a head start really. Um, but needless to say, like, I mean, like I think Rainier is like one of those mountains that is very doable for a lot of people. And, okay. You know, it's like a, you know, if it's something that, um, that someone decides that they want to do like it's it's within their their reach it's mostly like a it's a very steep hike for the way that we went it's it's not anything that a normal person can't do it's just you know how much they want to put the effort into train and stuff so yeah sure mm -hmm. it would be significant training because you're also going to be in high altitude so mm -hmm. did you do any high altitude training, like specifically at high altitude? Because there are some trails you can drive to mm -hmm. and just automatically start at like 8,000, 9,000 feet and like scamper about that way. Yeah, uh, I did not. But I kind of wish I did because um, I uh, was more affected by the altitude than I thought I was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I got up there, I started feeling slightly lightheaded and like sick to my stomach and like the higher the higher I went, like the the worse the the stomach sickness got and stuff like that. And oh, so yeah. um I feel like if I had like done a few more like, you know, higher altitude hikes, like that maybe wouldn't have been as bad. But you never know. Like um it the last few times that I've been up at that altitude, it hasn't really affected me that way. So maybe it could have just been you know, a fluke thing too. So I don't know. It's true. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of factors going into it. I have a friend who's doing, um, she does the Leadville 100. It's a hundred mile bike race in Leadville, Colorado. Mm. Elevation begins at 10,000 feet and like goes, goes up and down from there. I can't remember, but it's, it's insane. Yeah. So she, when she's able to, her best success has been whenever she's been able to be there ahead of time just to breathe, yep. not even train, like maybe bike a little bit, but for the most part, just have breathe. So her body knows like, okay, how am I going to use oxygen when there's not much of it or for like sure. as much as we're used to? Cause here in Seattle, we're at sea level. So we're just like breathing all day. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Exactly. But the higher you get, the less, less oxygen. It's still not like scary Mount Everest, your brain is starving, but it's definitely a something. You get fatigued faster, you feel super barfy, um, headaches, all that stuff. So, and interestingly too, um, so the effects of altitude sickness, uh, I mean, it, depending on the person, like they can affect you as low as like six or 7,000 feet. Really? And so like, yeah, there have been cases of people getting um, what they called uh HAPE or HACE. So it's a high altitude pulmonary or cerebral edema. And it's essentially like if your lungs fill with fluid or your your uh, cranium fills with fluid, oh. your skull fill, fills with fluid just because of the, the altitude, like that could affect people at, at low altitudes too. So yeah, it's uh, it just depends on the person. G genetics is a lot of it. So it's it's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with <laughs> What's the deal with altitude sickness? <laughs> <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> okay, so you've trained up for around eight-ish month 
months and then four months in, you're like, okay, crap, here it comes. Yeah, like the first few months, I was kind of just uh, screwing around. Like, <laughs> I would go out for a run every once in a while. I would mm-hmm. do like maybe a mile or two and just be like, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on a guess here and guess that summoning Mount Rainier was longer than a mile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so it was definitely a little bit harder than a one-mile run on flat ground, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I imagine. Again, I'm just guessing because I have – I am so glad that you summited safely, and I hope you continue to enjoy your mountaining career, mountaineering career, but I have zero interest in doing anything that high up. Mm -hmm. I'll look at it. There's really great sunrise and paradise are beautiful places with like humane trails for people Mm -hmm. to hike. And then you can look at the summit and look at Rainier and it's gorgeous. Um, For those sleepy babies like me who like the outdoors but are not good at it. (laughs) You still get great views from those places though. Right. They're so good. And you just are like, how is this real life? Yeah. How is this real? Let's jump into the day of the journey. Where did you begin? Yeah, so uh, this was a, like the, I went with this guiding service and so they offered a four-day climb is what they called it. Um, It wasn't really four days like going up and down. It was, you get there like the afternoon of the first day and it was more of like orientation where you met your guide. They like checked all your gear to make sure that you had everything. Hmm. If you didn't have everything, then they would figure out what you didn't have and then tell you to go buy it or rent it from them. Okay. So like, <laughs> hey, yeah, so that's, yeah, a, that's a slick operation, uh, yeah, exactly, isn't yeah. it? Huh. So, but, um, so then like they, you know, we would just chat with the guide. They would tell us what to expect, like when, uh, like what we needed for the next day and everything. Uh, the second day was our mountaineering day school. And that's so because it was a beginner oriented kind of trip. Mm-hmm. Um, they assumed that you didn't have any mountaineering experience. And so basically took us up onto the side of Mount Rainier, like right when you get to like uh, a snow field and um, taught us how to use our ice axes, our crampons, how to walk on a, a rope team, like all that stuff that we would actually need for the top. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. <laughs> so tell me about your ice axe. What's that about? Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's probably one of the most important things that you can bring up on the mountain um, because regardless of if you're um, if you're not on a rope team, like you can still uh, protect yourself with it. Um, so it actually is an evolution from the just a regular um, pickaxe that people back in like the early days of mountaineering, they just like brought pickaxes up sure. up into the mountains because that was like you know the best that they could do back then yeah um so it kind of looks like a pickaxe it has a little flat piece on the back which is called the ads and okay. that's uh essentially for um a putting your hand on so that you can like have like a nice place to rest your hand when you're holding it but oh. also like you can use it to kind of like almost as like a shovel to like dig stuff out and stuff like that um, and so, and then it goes into the front part, which is called the pick. And that's, uh, the part that you would kind of use to like dig into the snow or ice to create some traction. That's a, so that's the, that's like the kind of the, curved, the, the like stabby end. Yeah. Like if you were watching like a murder movie, like yeah. that's the part that they're killing the person okay, with. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that's what I'm pretending to do is like stab yeah, right it's, now. It's going into the person's skull. Going yeah. into the person's skull or... A glacier yeah, that exactly. you're falling down. In this case, you're you're doing it to save a life. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, and so then there's the shaft, which is like just the metal part in the middle. Okay. And then on the bottom is the pick and or the spike. And so like a, the spike is essentially just the part that you put right into the snow. Oh. Um, like as you're walking, you're, you're just pushing it down. It's, um, you know, just get a little attraction into the snow so you can like push your, your ice axe in a little bit and, you know, so that you can place it firmly. Okay. So it like starts as like a pilot hole almost. Yes. Okay. Yep. And, and so, yeah, so as you're walking, like, you want to keep it only in one hand, and usually that's, or actually all the time, that's going to be your, what they call the uphill hand. So you're not always just going straight up a, like, a face. You're mm-hmm. usually kind of, like, going back and forth. Okay. Like, just a switchback situation? Switch, switchback kind of situation. So as you're going around switchbacks, you're moving your ice axe into the hand that's that's on the uphill side. Oh. And so that's essentially to... Um, to uh, get you into the position where, like, if you do fall and you need to stop yourself, you can get into a, a quick self-arrest uh, position. Oh, so, dang. Yeah. And so that's what you're practicing on, like, welcome to mountain. Yeah. That's, like, the first <laughs> thing that they teach you is, like, they tell you to find a, a snow slope mm-hmm. and then throw yourself down it and then... <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, <coughs> grabbed my cheeks like Macaulay Culkin <laughs> in Home Alone. <laughs> That sounds so scary. Uh, did you think it was fun or were you like, oh, shit, this is serious? Uh, you know, it was it was fun at the time. I guess, like, I wasn't really thinking about, like, the actual consequences of what, like, this is mm-hmm. simulating. Yeah. But, uh, no, because, like, they, like, essentially brought us to, like, what would amount to, like, a steep sledding hill. And we're like, yeah, just go slide on your ass, like, down this <laughs> this hill and then stop yourself with your, with your ice axe. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. That, I mean, that part sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Just axes everywhere. Yeah. Just. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that seems really safe. Yeah. That's clever and brilliant and obvious, I guess, to have the axe always be on your uphill side. So did did you remember every time to switch? Did they say, like, switch or? Uh, yeah. So they, um, they didn't always say switch, but, like, what they would do is, like, we, they kind of, like, drilled it into our minds as we were, like, doing the training day. Like, mm-hmm. we would walk on rope teams, and they would bring us over a variety of terrain and stuff. And um, they would always, like, you know, yell out, like, hey, like, remember to keep it on your uphill hand, like, if they saw someone who didn't. Oh, okay. And so it was always, like, one of those kind of things where, like, weren't specifically telling us when to move it, but then, like, kind of, like, correcting the be- behavior if they, they saw something yeah. that was wrong. Yeah, get the water bottle, squirt you. No, yeah, exactly, other yeah. hand, <laughs> other hand. Yeah, exactly. So when you're saying rope, rope team, team, team yep. rope, go rope. rope. Yeah. What, what, what's that? What's that mean? So, uh, like, if you um, see, like, a, I mean, like, if you call to your mind, like, a classic scenario from, like, a, like a cartoon or something from, like, someone climbing a mountain, they mm-hmm. always have like three or four people that are like tied together, like essentially at the waist by a rope. Okay. Um, like Yukon Cornelius and um, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, I'm yeah. familiar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so going with, going with that, uh, that so example. People, yeah. people are, you're tied to each other. Yeah. So you're, you're using what's essentially a regular like rock climbing harness. Uh, and then you're just tied in to the rope with that. Okay. Um, and so the, the, the purpose of that is like, you know, God forbid someone does fall mm-hmm. uh, and they're sliding uncontrollably, like the other person has the chance to 
do that self-arrest stop and then stop that person as well. Wow. And so for us as like beginners, we were on rope teams of three or four. And so like one person falls, like we probably wouldn't even have to like do the self-arrest. We could probably just stand there and hold the person up. Okay. So like it was more for like safety and efficiency, I guess, like for, for them to put that many people on our rope team. But, um, normally you probably wouldn't be with three or four people. It would be like one or two or you would be like with one person or one sort of like person. a like a buddy when you're scuba diving you have your buddy exactly your buddy system yep who's there for you if you something goes to hell yeah okay and so there are like mountaineers who are like you know they take the risk and want to do stuff by themselves and mm. so they, they're called soloists and um you know it's more efficient to not have to worry about someone else on the rope team and like just go at your own pace and like because you can move quicker that way but i don't know for me that seems like it's almost too much of a risk because like you don't have that other person who can you know double check if you're doing things right or you know like yeah you know stop you if you fall like because you know there's other hazards out there besides like taking a fall like you know a rock could fall and hit you and like break your leg and then now you're trapped up there like yeah if you had that other person you know they could call for help or something you know so have a buddy yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i can understand why a soloist would want to you know break free and go at their own pace but man have a buddy yeah it's okay you know like uh some people kind of like thrive on that like being able to like be self-efficient or self ah, self-sufficient i should sure. say and that's like a, a risk that they've decided that they're going to take because they know their own limits. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, that I don't know if I would do that. It, yeah. it just doesn't seem like it's, I don't know if it's worth the risk for me at this point. Like, you know, I'm just doing this for fun. I'm not like trying to break records or something. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's, I think it's really funny how we all, no matter what, thing we're into, how you can take it to the extreme. Yeah. I was just talking to my friend, Jessica, interviewed her last night about karaoke, and we're talking about folks who take it to the extreme. Like, they bring their own versions of their own songs of on, like, their flash drives to yeah. present to the karaoke That's crazy. Jockey. I've never heard of that before. I know! <laughs> it's pretty, like, so it's like, yeah, you can take it to the limit, no matter what it is. Yeah. And that's really fun. That's true. Yeah. I, I enjoy the more chill, we're doing this for funsies approach. Yeah. So you mentioned what else? Oh, crampons. That's just like jaggedy things for your feet, right? Essentially. Yeah. Um. So they have like um like stuff that you can buy from like Amazon that are like, uh, they're called uh, traction devices or uh, like micro spikes that you can just put onto your boots. Like if you're going for like a short hike mm -hmm. and it might be a little slippery. Um, think about this, but like, you know supercharged and on steroids <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, like bear claws on the bottom of yeah your... they're okay. they're pretty sharp uh so like you have to be pretty careful like when you're walking around if you have like um ba like baggy baggy uh pants or something you okay. they'll like basically cut it. cut it to ribbons um and so you want to be careful about where you store them too like you don't want to really put them in your tent uh, oh my or, god or yeah. your, like if you and usually what you do is you um like attach them somehow to the outside of your pack so that they're kind of out of the way. Mm. But you also then want to make sure that they're not digging into your sleeping bag that you put inside of your pack. So it's, yeah, it's there. It's probably one of the biggest hazards besides your ice axe that you can have. Yeah. You just basically have two, a, a pair of foot knives. Yeah. Just all over the place. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. 
that. Yeah. <laughs> just like stab multiple stabbing yeah. things that can get you. Yeah. I thought about the perils of the ice axe, but I didn't think of because the crampons I've seen are are like little little metal ones that kind of wrap around your feet and they're mm-hmm. adorable. Um, yeah, these are pretty sharp and they're yeah. pretty heavy too. They're usually uh, like aluminum or steel. Okay. So yeah, they're. They could do some damage. They're significant. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to wear them the whole time you're hiking? Depends on the terrain, actually. So there's certain situations where um, they don't make sense. And so, like, so, uh, for instance, um, crampons are very useful when you have, like, hard snow or ice mm. because it's hard for you to get a grip on the the, the, the terrain at that sure. point. But if you have, like, a softer snow or, like, a deeper snow, it's not going to help you out as much because you can sink in a little bit or you can kind of, like, kick the snow to make a little step. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it depends on uh, the the weather. It depends on the terrain, uh, everything. So, And yeah. you don't have snowshoes at all no during this? No snowshoes, yeah. Okay. Did you do any climbing that first day? No. So we did... We had to do like a like a maybe three mile hike or so up to that snow slope. Okay. Um. So that's that was. The oh, majority. so that was the hike for yeah, the for the day for the day. Yeah. So like we so we started at Paradise and um like essentially like walked up like their normal like paved like hiking path until oh, okay. like it kind of ran out and then we just started going up <laughs> up uphill <laughs> a little bit more. You know, until we found like a, a decent snow slope that we can practice on. Okay. Yeah. And then you, this is a four day thing. So you slept out there. Uh, oh, so yeah, no. So then we came down back to paradise, um, got picked up, went back down to the bottom of the hill. Ah. Oh, so, yeah. So like the, the, the guiding, That's luxurious. Yeah, the guiding service that I, that I went with, um, they are based in Ashford, Washington. And so that's like, you know, if you're going into the South entrance of Mount Rainier national park, it's like the last town before the entrance. Oh, okay. And so they have a, um, multi, I would say like kind of like a campus of like buildings. They have like a, um, a rentals kind of place. They have, um, a gift shop and like guide, like guides, like bunks and stuff. But then they also have what they call the, uh, the Whitaker bunk house. And it's essentially like, you can like rent like a bunk in like a dormitory style, like, area for like 10 bucks a night okay and so like when you're on these (laughs) when you're on this trip like ashford washington is basically in the middle of nowhere and so like it's not like you can find like a motel six even like anywhere close by you know so like you you go there and like every day you come home from training or whatever like you essentially would sleep at that place for 10 bucks a night okay so yeah so we did that for the first two nights and then um so the the day of training, we came back there and basically they were like, yeah, like, you know, get a lot of sleep because you're going to need it starting tomorrow when we start the hike. So, yeah, uh, we basically went back, um, ate a pizza each, essentially, because like, <laughs> we're like, we need all the calories we can get too. <laughs> oh, my God. My dream is to eat a whole pizza with zero shame. <laughs> get it to mountaineering. <laughs> oh, get to mountaineering. All right. I have found my answer. Yeah. Yeah, so we we ate a bunch of food and then essentially just tried to go to sleep and not have to think about tomorrow. Uh, woke up at like maybe like seven the, the next morning. Got on the bus. The bus took us to Paradise, and that's when we started the the ascent. Begin the the journey in earnest. Uh-huh. And how many people were with you at at the beginning of the trek? So it was, I think, five of us plus three guides. 
Okay, so uh, pretty intimate team. Maybe it was six of us. So maybe, like, yeah, between, like, five and six, I think. Uh, but then it was two teams that went up at the same time. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so there was probably a good, I'd say, like, 16 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that's more. Yeah. But yeah. you you knew your posse. Yeah, so I went with uh, a bunch of friends. So it was um, we we all decided that we were going to like raise money for charity by saying we were climbing for a cause. Climbing for a cause. So um, I didn't know that. That's oh, yeah. so nice. <laughs> I just thought it was cool, and now it's nice, extra nice. Yeah. Uh, what was the charity? Uh, I raised money for uh, like a um, the Dana Farber Cancer Center in in Boston. Um, cause I had a couple family members that were affected by cancer and, oh. um, and so my buddy, Sam, his mom had passed away from cancer. So yeah. he raised for that. And then, um, our friend Lindsay, uh, raised for, uh, ALS. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. So you're badasses and super nice asses too. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little, a little devil, a little angel. <laughs> yeah. Little dead devil. <laughs> um, wow. Tell me. Were you nervous on the day of the hike or the day before or the night before? You know, I think that was probably the first time I actually like the reality of what I was doing, like kind of hit me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, like while Rainier is a f- pretty tame mountain, it's still a technical mountaineering objective. And like it has a lot of danger up there. And like it didn't really think about it until like I was like, huh, yeah, like there <laughs> is a possibility that something could happen. Oh, no. You know? Um but, like, uh, at that point, like, it, I think, like, part of the reason why the guiding service that I was with did this, like, whole, like, four-day thing um, was the first two days you got really comfortable with the guides and the people you were with. Yeah. And it kind of eliminated some of that worry because you're like, all right, like, these guys know what they're doing and, like, they're not going to, like, force us to go up. They're going to be looking out for us but also themselves because they're part of the team as well. Yeah. So, like, they're not going to put us in a situation where we're going to get, you know, hurt or killed. So, like, at that point, like, I kind of just rationalized it with myself, like, that I'll be fine, you know? Yeah. So. And, I mean, it is a big, brave thing to do. So, being nervous would make a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. And then doing it also makes a ton of sense because you've trained for it. You know what you're doing. You pretty much know what you're doing. And you've got a whole team that knows what they're doing. Yep. So yep. that's awesome. And it wasn't like it was inexpensive to go either. So I was like, mm, I'm not going to just like <laughs> say, yeah, I'm not going to do this the day before. You know. <laughs> I bet people, I bet people do though. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind though, it was like, no way I can't do it. Can't walk away. You yeah. made an investment and exactly. you've been training so hard and working so hard for exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. How long to get to the top or did you take a break halfway or what was the deal? Yeah. So, uh, they, uh, one of the other things that they taught us how to do, uh, in this course was, um, how to pace yourself mm. and which is good because like, um, you, uh, you're thinking about like climbing Mount Rainier, you want it to get up and like, you know, set up camp and like just lay down as quickly as possible. But like a lot of the times, like, uh, if you uh, have that mentality, you end up burning yourself out too quick. And so they, they set us at a, a fairly slow pace um, to like maintain, um, you know, upward progression, but also like, uh, you know, preserve as much energy as possible. Yeah. So the, uh, from the parking lot in paradise to our first night where we slept, uh, at Camp Muir probably took us about five hours. Okay. And so that was a elevation gain of 
I think, 5,000 feet. Holy crap! (laughs) (laughs) That's... So that was five hours. Yeah. And that's so many feet Mm -hmm. per hour of elevation. Yes. And you're already at... Where does Paradise begin, elevation-wise, I wonder? It's at, like, 55, I think, something okay. like that. And then Camp Muir is at, like, 10,400. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So is that where you camped at Camp Muir? Yeah. Muir? So the, yeah. So um, there's multiple different routes to go up the mountain, but, like, on the south side, uh, that's one of the most popular ways to go up is by leaving paradise, walking up the trails, and then going on to what they call the Muir Snowfield. Mm-hmm. And it's just this gentle slope of snow that basically goes to this little notch up, like halfway up the mountain. And uh, from that notch, it turns into real technical terrain. Okay. And so basically a lot of people stop at Camp Muir uh, for the night to prepare for their summit attempt the next morning. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, when you go up there... Um, the majority of people who are attempting the mountain have to actually camp out on the glacier in a tent. But um, because the guiding service that I went with is so popular, they actually, well, because they have so many clients, like they have a great deal of clout with the the, the park and stuff. They, sure. they were able to, to purchase a few shelters on, in uh, Camp Muir. What? It's not, it's nothing luxurious. It's essentially like a, a shack at the top of this like hill. <laughs> That you, once you go in, it's like nicer than being in a tent, I guess. But it's also yeah. like just like you're like you think about like just like a a warehouse shelf like with a few sleeping pads on it, and that's it. That's what you're getting. Okay, like an Anirondack. Is that what that's called? It's not. It's, it's, so it's not like a. It's not like a tea. It's just uh-huh. basically like a big box. Of, okay. It's a wooden box essentially with a few windows. Okay. And uh, so there's three rows of bunks, and so they probably packed. I'm going to say like. 30 people in there. Whoa. Yeah. So okay. one of the biggest uh, things for me was like, I was already starting to get a little affected by the altitude. Mm. And so like thinner air and stuff like that. Yeah. When you're in there with 30 other people, like you're, yeah. there's a lot of carbon dioxide <clears throat> getting blown around. So like it started making me feel even, even worse. worse. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, oh, shoot. so the, yeah, there's the luxury of having this, the shelter where like you're not outside in a tent, but then you're also, you know, you're dealing with 30 other, you're sleeping in like cramped quarters. People are snoring. People are farting. Yeah. Everything smells. Everything smells. (laughs) That's a lot of, and like people are amped. Yeah. And you already don't sleep as well in in high altitude also. Yeah. That affects sleeping. Yeah. So, okay. So they have their wooden shack on the hill. Yep. (laughs) So you, you basically get there. It's, you know, early in the afternoon, maybe like four. They're like, you know, Rest up, like, take all your, you know, get into your sleeping bags, lay down, like, basically conserve energy, mm-hmm. you know, make your make your, your meal for the night, and that's it. Like, we're going to come in, tell you guys about, like, what's going to happen tomorrow, but essentially just go to bed after that. Okay. So, like, you're going to bed probably around 6.30 in the, in the evening. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's not easy to do. No. <laughs> but even, even the best of times. Yeah. So, like, I mean, there's... Uh, there's this thing called the Alpine start and that's what essentially what you're, you're prepping for. Um, so Alpine start is like when you get up super early in the morning, the day of your summit attempt, or even like, you know, the, the day before, like at like 1130 at at night or something. The reason why you want to do that is, um, you know, you're 
Um, you're getting conditions of snow where it's not melting as much, so there's less hazard of rockfall or okay. uh, snow slides or something like that. And so you're trying to get out and like essentially beat the melting snow of like the late afternoon. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's also quicker to move over firm snow than it is like if you're stepping in and like going down and stuff. So, um, so you you go to bed like. 6 30 in, in the evening and you're trying to get as much sleep as you can before one o'clock when you wake up the next morning oh crap <laughs> you're getting up at one getting up at one they give you an hour to basically get your stuff together and eat something for breakfast and do whatever you have to do go to the bathroom whatever yeah but they're like yeah we need you out in your harnesses in your crampons everything like essentially ready to get tied into the rope at like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> shoot yeah. <laughs> yeah. and now are you by that point you're you're tired your your brain is not cooperating very well because of the lack of oxygen were you just like whatever i'm just i in like a dreamlike state like a fever dream or were you i felt like that a little bit but then like after being up for maybe like five ten minutes or so like i started like kind of like getting jacked and i was like yeah this is, this is crazy it's happening like we're we're going out like it's gonna be freaking cold it's gonna be like we're not gonna be able to see anything it's because it's pitch black out you know yeah so like like basically like just preparing myself at that point yeah so, yeah I, I bet that feels so cool like oh, i'm gonna walk on a mountain today like i'm also really tired and freaking out a little bit yeah. but let's do this yeah blah, 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 blah. um you mentioned the cold uh you're doing this uh mount rainier has glaciers on it at all times it's always snow-capped yes. um it is a it is also a volcano bt dubs for listeners who don't know and but you went in May. Nope. June. June. Yeah. Okay. So you're. It's in June, which is still not necessarily totally warm here in Washington. Um, but that's like the safest window, I, apparently, to go to go up. Is there like a, um, a a time span? Yeah. So the the best time to climb Mount Rainier would be like the end of July. And oh. The, the reason for that is um, a uh, it's not super melted out yet so like you won't have giant crevasses okay to yeah. cross but it's also like some of the best weather windows in uh, the seattle area um during the summer going up it was pretty like it was i would say warm you know like in the 40s like you're also getting like the reflection of the sun off the snow so it's kind of heating you up a little bit oh, more yeah. too you're walking it you were you were getting pretty hot walking up there so i was sweating a lot uh, the next morning, um, it was pretty cold. Like we were in, um, I had like a long sleeve Under Armour thing and then like a, like just a hiking t-shirt on top of that. And then I had a, like a puffy, like insulating jacket and then like a outer like parka kind of thing. Oh, wow. Cause I was that cold. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it went from like kind of sweating to death to super cold. Yeah. I'd say it probably drops at least like 25 degrees. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty cold. <laughs> it's pretty cold. And that's that's at the 2 a.m. takeoff time yeah. when you're starting the hike up. Yep. So you mentioned that it's pitch black. Do you have your headlamp on? Yeah. Does everyone have a headlamp? And Yep. So okay. essentially right when you um, right when you tie in uh, to your rope team and like you start the, the climb, like you have your your headlamp on and your 
You basically have that on until it's the sun's completely up. So how long did it take from uh, where you guys camped the day before, the night before, to get to the summit? So we started around 2. I think we summited around maybe like 8 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what is that? Six, Six hours? hours? Yeah. That seems so manageable. But, <laughs> I mean, that's really intense. Yeah. Um, it, it seems manageable. Uh, and it's obviously it is manageable because people do it. But, yeah. like, uh, it's – when you're up there, it kind of like it's it's not even it's just kind of like mental exhaustion because you're like always like on guard, like thinking about everything and stuff of like course. that. Yeah. So that's an excellent. Yeah. You'd be exhausted from like switch my blade hand. Nope. Yeah. Axe hand and like your team and everything. It's dark. Yeah. Of course, yeah, you'd be super exhausted. And when I say manageable, I just think of like six hours. That's nothing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So you made it there for sunrise. Uh, we saw sunrise maybe like six hundred or seven hundred feet below the summit. Okay. So we were still a little bit out. Um, but it was pretty cool. Um, we were sitting on the the back uh the the um the south slope, um just you know, found like a nice like place to put our, put our stuff down and just sit on our backpacks and have a nice bar and have some water and just look at the sunrise. It was pretty cool. Whoa. Yeah. Do you have any pictures from that? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, all of this stuff, like I want to show what an ice ax looks like. And yeah. I want to, I want to show, uh, these various things that we're talking about because some of them are kind of far out for me and I think it'd be interesting to see yeah so well that's nice so did you take a decent amount of breaks on the way up or was it pretty much like we gotta go 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 yeah so um on like when we first started like you know out right out of the gate we were essentially doing breaks like once every hour it would be like 10 minutes 15 minutes something like that okay um the breaks started to get a little bit more frequent like as we were getting up there because it's you're expending a lot more energy. It's a lot harder to keep moving and stuff. So they want you to like, you know, put your pack down, get your pack off your back and like sit down, get water and like, okay. you know, re-up on your sunblock and, you know, eat and stuff like that. So they, they want to make sure that you're doing that a little bit more often um, and just thinking about it more. So, yeah. Um, doing sunblock is so imperative as someone who burns when just thinking about sunlight, like wintertime and snowtime sunblock is so essential mm -hmm. because the sun's coming at you from below yeah. and above. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that uh, that's one of the things that they always tell you to remember is that it's reflecting off the snow as well. Um, because like, you know, I started putting this, the sun, uh, the, the, the lip balm inside of my nose because it has SPF 15 because it was oh. starting to get like sunburn inside of my nose. Oh man. Yeah, it was bad. No. And oh. so, and then, yeah. And then, so I also forgot, uh, so the a couple days before I had gotten a haircut so that I could have like shorter hair for putting my helmet on and stuff like that. Uh huh. Um, I didn't even think about this, but I didn't have anything protecting right here. Oh, because I had the had nape hair before, of your head. like the nape of it. Yeah. So like the helmet only went down a certain amount. I didn't have any hair below there. And so I got probably like the worst sunburn I've ever had oh. in my entire life on the back of my head. Oh, crap. It was, it was awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, like I was, I was just thinking about this. Like, like that was probably 
out of like you you, were, you asked me to like think about memories. That was uh-huh. probably the worst thing that happened <laughs> in this trip. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. So yeah, uh, sunscreen definitely very important. So important. Yeah. Always wear it. Yeah. Besides the sunburn, was everybody pretty much okay? Pretty much safe? I know you said like some people ended up heading back down, mm-hmm. um, but any like dramatic life saving moments? No, uh, we we didn't really experience anything crazy. Uh, I, the worst thing that happened was our one buddy he like lost his footing immediately. Like his his training kicked in and was like falling as he like tripped uh-huh. and so like everyone just like oh my god and like we jumped into that position and like he had just like basically like fell to his knee but oh, like man. we were all in like that position to like hold him yeah so, like, we all felt like super legit which was awesome that's and amazing then, yeah and then our guide afterward was like yeah like you know that wasn't really all that bad but like great job everyone like everyone reacted very well to that i'm like <laughs> awesome <laughs> you know <laughs> that's what you want exactly you want to be overreactive when it's like like, what if he hadn't just taken a knee and he had, his butt kept scooting down? Exactly. So, yeah. like, you were, you were ready! Exactly, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Everything was pretty tame. We had a lot of snow that year, so, like, we didn't even really find any crevasses. That's excellent. Yeah. Uh, because that's really scary stuff. You wouldn't... Now, on Everest, I like to watch stuff about Mount Everest. They put ladders, terrifying ladders that go across these crevasses. Is that something that they would do or they do like, that in Rainier too. It they de- do? Depends on how melted out it is. Like, okay. So um, if you come across a crevasse that's like in like your climbing path, uh, essentially what you, tr- what you try to do is go around it. But if it's like, you know, late season, it's been melting out a lot. Like sometimes it's more dangerous to go around it or you can't go around it. And so mm. the only way to do anything is to go across it. And so that's when they put those, they tie those ladders together. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and so you didn't have to do any crazy ladders? No. You know what? Like, uh, we actually didn't even see any crevasses that were worth noting. Laddering? Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, like, e- like you know, I could have, like, tiptoed across it. That's the kind of ones we saw. They were tiny. Wow. Yeah. Is there – I wonder if there's any risk of them, like, opening up. Oh, for sure. Yeah? yeah. But, like, so, uh, the – like, when you um, – get more into mountaineering and stuff you start learning more about like terrains and and, and features and stuff so you're you're kind of like you start looking for telltale signs of like um a crevasse and so sometimes like a crevasse could be kind of small but like just enough where like um you know it could snow on top and then it gets covered oh. and so like if you're like looking across like a blanket of snow and you kind of see the, the these little indentations mm-hmm. uh you can sometimes assume that a, a crevasse is there and so, like, you're kind of, like, training to, like, find those kind of things. Yeah. So, like, they could totally be, like, bad, but, like, the the guides that we were with, like, they would have, like, spotted that kind of stuff and been like, yeah, we're going to go around this. So. And there, are, I'm assuming <clears throat> one guide is at least leading, right? And mm-hmm. probably one's in the back yep. and one's in the middle. Yep. Sort of deal? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Yep. yep. I want super good eyeball guy out front. Yeah. I want him to do that. So what was it like to get to the top? Uh, honestly, kind of anticlimactic. Oh, no! No, not like in a, not, <laughs> I, that might seem like a bad, uh, like the, the wrong thing to say, but like. Uh, it's how you felt, can't be wrong. <laughs> no, it wasn't, maybe anticlimactic might not be the best term, but like it was like, I remember like, uh, like 
plugging along and being like, oh my God, like, I can't believe we're still going up. Like, I could still see, like, more and more mountain. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I remember, like, looking up at one point. I'm like, oh, it's, like, right there. And then I was on the top. (laughs) 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 But, like, at that point, I was just, like, kind of getting into the zone where I was, like, so tired and, like, so... I had, like, a little bit of that nausea from the the altitude sickness. And I was, like, I didn't really get a good night's sleep the night before. So, like, exhausted from lack of sleep, but then also physically exhausted. And so I kind of got into, like, that just, like, machine-like trance of just, like, one foot in front of the other kind of thing. Like, and then, like, all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, oh, like, I'm, like, cresting the mound to the top, you know? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I think that makes a lot of sense because you're just figuring out a way to make make it to the summit. Right. So your brain wasn't there yet. Your brain was still like, no, Bryce, we yeah. have to keep one foot in front of the other and do, 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 do. Yeah. How long did you get to hang out up there? Uh, quite a while, actually. So we were probably up there for maybe like an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we got to the, t- so the, the route that we took, it brings you to not like the summit summit, but it brings you to like the crater. Okay. Um, and so they were like, yeah, like, you know, you're at the summit essentially, but like, if you want to go like an extra 100 feet in elevation gain up to the top, like we have to walk to the other side of the crater and then go up this hill. And so we ended up doing that just to say we were on the top. Oh my gosh. Took, took pictures, walked <laughs> back, kind of like hung out for a little bit, um, used the restroom, um, got yeah. some, got some water, got some food. And just rested a little bit. How was the view? Was it a good day? It was pretty good. Uh, there was some cloud coverage, so I couldn't really see Seattle all that clearly, but mm-hmm. it was still pretty good that I could actually see a lot of stuff. So that was pretty awesome. That's that's the thing that I think about when I see the mountain. I'm like, imagine being up there. It's like, you're the thing that sees all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. that's it was, a. It was pretty cool, like, being up there because... Um, like, I'd only seen, like, the top from, like, looking sure. from the bottom and looking at the top. So, like, being able to be up there and, like, see, like, what it's like up there was pretty awesome. What What is it like up there? Honestly, didn't really look that much like a volcano unless you, like, really thought about it um, and, like, kind of took a huge, like, like look around. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was, like, this little ridge that would, like, kind of go up on one point and, like, there was, like, a big bowl of snow and then, like, a little ridge on the other side. So okay. like if you use your imagination, you can imagine like almost that like being a, a volcano. Yeah, like a like a Doctor Evil like lair kind of volcano. Yes. But with <laughs> but with snow in it. But yeah, it didn't look like that. It was really kind of like almost like uh the, the bowl of snow was pretty flat, so it was like almost like walking just like on a flat like field of snow at the top. And yeah, c- could you walk anywhere on it or mm-hmm. like yeah. because it's a completely capped off volcano right now. Yeah. Right? Okay. As I say that, I'm like it's it's not open. I I know that, Sarah. <laughs> um, it last exploded, or it last had activity in 18... I looked this up, 1840-something? So, yeah, something but, like that. Yeah. Uh, were there seismic people who were checking stuff out? I imagine, like, they, they, like your guides were in, char- in charge of, like, weather and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So they... Um, They're in charge of the weather. Yeah, yeah They exactly, make the yeah. weather, right, Bryce? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a, it's a lottery system. <laughs> they can't have everyone summit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So like, uh, they, I'm sure they have like, like there's like, you know, seismologists who have like some kind of, you know, measuring system up there that like would do the yeah. early warning signs. But I mean, as f- everything that I've read for the most part, like they're like, yeah, like we'll be feeling like 
you know, significant uh, earthquakes for a while before the thing erupts. So, all right. (laughs) Just want to make sure you don't get exploded when you're up there. Oh, yeah. No, I I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) So you summited it. You did great. And now you're heading back down. Do you go all the way down in one day or do you stay over at that place again? We so we went all the way back to Camp Muir. Okay. um, And then we essentially like they're like, yeah, great job, guys. Like you're out of like the, the worst part. Um, like, you know, like this, the, the trickiest part, the trickiest part, the scariest yeah. part. So they're like, so what we're going to do is essentially like, you know, rest up for like a couple hours. And so they're like, get some sleep, like eat, like just hang out, like lay, lay down, like don't walk around kind of thing. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, rest up and like save some energy for the walk down. And so we did that for a little bit and then just kind of hung out and like took a bunch of pictures, celebrated. And then it was time to walk down. And so we just started walking down and it was super easy after that oh i'm sure <laughs> were you just like <laughs> oh yeah this is the easiest thing i've ever done oh yeah walking we, were, down. we were essentially like it didn't matter like how tired we were we were like bounding down that mountain at that point <laughs> i bet your adrenaline was just through the roof oh yeah right yeah because all that tension and all that stress has suddenly like erupted into this thing that you've now accomplished yeah. safely and you're boom. excited you're happy you're yeah yeah like, you're just looking forward to not having wet socks on anymore oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. So do you have friends and stuff hang out or come meet you there? Yeah. So uh, so as I mentioned, we were with that group. We were with a group of friends that were all raising money for charities and stuff. And so the um, wives, significant others, they all decided to get together and, um, you know, do like a little welcome wagon kind of thing when we got back in, which was really cool. So they all had like little posters that said like, uh, cheer. would you say like? Yeah, cheers to cheers to a summit or something like that. But with the cheers had the Rainier R. Said, is it beer thirty? That's what it was. Yeah, and the R <laughs> was the Rainier. The Rainier R. The Rainier symbol. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. And it's true, yeah, because we have the Rainier beer. Yeah. And now you can be like a guide and be like, so when I summited Mount Rainier, yeah, like if you wanted to be that guy in the bar, which uh, thank what God this route right here, like pointing at <laughs> <out> the can. <laughs> As soon as I said that, I'm like, Bryce would never be that guy. <laughs> he would never do that. Unless I, unless somebody asked, like, which, how, how, show me on the can how you got up there. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank that you. was super amazing. Thanks. This was so wonderful. Good. Um, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for I, having me. Of course. <laughs> and now I'm going to invite you and Naomi, if you'd like to join us for musical arm farts. Right, if I you want to. I haven't done this in a while, but I used okay. to be able to do... Under the armpit. Yeah. Old school style. Can you, Let's see. <laughs> yes! There was one! <laughs> <laughs> and I love... Sorry. It was so good. Let's see if the other side works better. <laughs> no. No, that was a squeaker. <laughs> <laughs> Dignity. It's how we always go out with this bad boy. Yeah. <gasps> Wait, Naomi has to disrobe. She has to disrobe. Hold on. No, she can do it. She's going to join the family. I'm laughing too hard. Here we go. And. Thanks for coming in today. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Uh, okay, bye. Bye.